Welcome everybody to episode 65 of Dork Tunes. So this week we have our esteemed guest. Um, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to let him introduce himself. There you go. That's very nice. Very nice of you to call me esteemed as well. I feel very welcome. <laughs> um, hi everyone, I'm Barry Topping. I'm a composer and sound designer. Uh, I've worked on a lot of stuff. I've been a composer for, you know, 15 years, so I've worked on a whole bunch of stuff. But most recently, I worked on a video game called Paradise Killer, which just came out in September uh, for PC and Nintendo Switch. And that's definitely been the biggest project I've been involved with to date. Um, yeah, but I've, I've written for a bunch of other games, a lot of small kind of mobile stuff. Um, mm -hmm. I've written for a lot of shorts as well, animated shorts, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I just, just love to write music. And do you write music every day? uh yes and no there was a long period anyone that writes music knows like uh, you go through i, I kind of go through waves of like inspiration but that was one of the things that was great about paradise killer is we had like six months really only six months to write an hour and a half of music okay. so at that point that was every day new music which was amazing but since then since then i've kind of slowed down a bit so i'm kind of trying to slowly ease myself back into it now so I think um, from all the kind of furore around Paradise Killer, it just exploded, hasn't it? Ah, it's been amazing. Um, we knew that it was going to be good when we were making it, but it's kind of it's exceeded my expectations in terms of reach. Um, because I've always been involved with stuff that I've been happy with. It's been great work, but this is the first thing I would say has been like successful with a big S. Mm. So, and it's only I been six weeks on as map, well. Sorry, say that again? It's, it's kind of put you on the map almost. That was the hope and the plan. <laughs> I would love love to be doing this full time, so we'll see what happens from here. But Definitely. I mean, um, when you, you know, I've spoken to people like uh, David Houston and Richard Jakes, and, you know, their kind of processes. When, like, for example, David did Thomas Was Alone, he only got that opportunity from basically going to absolutely everything and anything, you know, to um, network and met Mike and they kind of hit it off. And, you know, uh, he did the, that soundtrack basically with like just a, a basic sort of Yamaha keyboard and a, a laptop and look where he is now. He's like nominate for a BAFTA, Ivory Novello, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And that was kind of similar how I got into Paradise Killer. I knew uh, Ollie and Phil from other things just for a couple of years. And they kind of quit their day jobs to start uh, Kaizen Gameworks, their studio. Um, yeah. And it, it, like it just so happened that not only did I know the guys, but Par Paradise Killer was like the perfect project for me in terms of where my writing style was at. Mm -hmm. You know, when the project started, it was this kind of stuff that I wanted to be writing anyway. And um, and yeah. Six months. Was that yeah, basically, there was a wee bit of pre-production, but mm -hmm. from the time where this is... Because what, what I did was I, had to, I took reduced hours at my day job. I'm a video producer. Mm -hmm. uh, it's my day job. So that was there was enough work there that I could take go part-time for six... For, I think it was part-time for three months. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I started that in January, and really from January to the end of May, that's when all the music was written. And then we had a couple of months to tidy things up. But yeah, it was a six-month process. And... <laughs> how have you found it since it's been released like, um it's been amazing like I've, I've been constantly kind of overwhelmed by 
just yeah just being involved in the process because it's so much work when you're doing it but then it's a different kind of work when it's done mm. because i mean it's less work but it's still it takes up more brain space almost because i've been trying to engage with it because i know that you know you're not guaranteed any successes so like i really want to be immersed in the success of this game while it's happening to get the absolute most from it that i can um, you know in terms of whether there's stuff to learn from it or whether it's just purely to be there to enjoy it so yeah, yeah. it's been taking up a lot of brain space in terms of trying to stay engaged with what people are saying about it but it's it's been amazing it's any artist's dream to have people say nice stuff about yeah. it and i think art. the nice thing about it as well is that it's not just people who are playing the games mm. it's other composers yeah no that feels great too the respect of one's peers is obviously another massive plus point um all right it's just been great um, seeing people as well who've not necessarily played the game but have come to the game through the soundtrack yeah i'm such a strong believer in like how much a soundtrack can add to the finished product of a game and i mean there's so many cases now where we know that if a soundtrack is good people will buy the game off the back of it so to see people do that has been like incredibly good yeah. really happy. i mean it's funny you should say that like there are certain games you could never imagine that have a different soundtrack than what they do if that makes sense yeah you know, like Journey, everybody's gone to the Rapture, you know, Thomas was alone, <clears throat> Horizon Zero Dawn even to, to a degree, you know, mm -hmm. crazy. Um, and I know from what you've said, um, I've been brought to games, certainly even just this week, um, this past week or so, um, through the soundtrack, because I heard um, A Short Hike, the soundtrack mm -hmm. for that, really beautiful. I ended up buying it on vinyl, actually. Um, oh. And I'm definitely going to be buying the game uh next week <clears throat> yeah i think it's how it happens yeah it's a game is a, the full package of what a game can offer is so wide i don't think it's necessarily a new thing because i feel this way about old games too where the soundtrack can be what pulls you in but i think now more than ever there's more of a market for people to be fans of the soundtrack mm. and that's partly to do with how great the fans of music are how great music lovers are but also there's like a, a sort of infrastructure network of like labels putting out video game music mm. and even the small time i've been involved in it it's so different from when i was playing in bands and trying to get stuff released people genuinely are just doing it because they love the music there's yeah. like nothing cynical about it at all <laughs> yeah i mean i started podcasting like 10 years ago and i've done it throughout the 10 years you know on and off as i said mm. But I've done it because I love doing it. You know, it's not because I get any financial reward from it. Sure. I get nothing, you know, mm. but I'm not bitter about it. You know, it's often yeah, of some not. incredible experiences, you know, um, and I can count people like Austin Wintry and Jessica Curry and David Houston and Joe from Flight as, you know, good friends and, <clears throat> and some experiences and even like Gareth Coker. Um, Gareth invited me down to Air Studios last year in December um, to watch the recording for Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And that was, you know, I've said it loads of times, it was possibly the highlight of my life. It was incredible. To be stood there and watching these, these incredible players um, playing that music and knowing that you were somehow in a really strange way, part of it just mm -hmm. blows my mind. I remember standing in the room while recording and you can you could have you could do that as long as you didn't kind of make any noise or move mm. um i remember just standing there and just 
held my breath until they finished work, until they finished doing what they were doing. And it just was incredible. And, you know, and I went away and bought the vinyl. And, you know, every time I listened to it, I think I was there. I was there at that moment, you know, when certain pieces are played and it just blows my mind. And I think that's incredible. And I think you're very right. People who come to, you know, um, video game music and the soundtracks, this sounds bad to say, but in a way they're almost rabid for it because they're so, so into it. Um, Like there's a, I'm part of a, uh, video game music vinyl collectors uh, Facebook page and they go mental for it. Like if something is announced, they know and they're all over it and they're like, you know, and if you don't buy it right then, you're not going to get it. Basically. It's great. Part part of that's to do with kind of what I was saying is about how much there is to a game to get invested in because anyone that loves media, like, you can love films, you love music, you love games, but there's so much about games. There's a story, there's music, there's a visual style. It has it has everything that a lot of other media does, only I feel like there's much more potential to be invested in it. And ah, I feel that way about games too. It's like yeah, the, all the things that I've ever hyperfixated on are all video games pretty much. So, But also I think when you play something, you can get that kind of emotional connection because... Yeah. Maybe you were in that position before. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Maybe you've you've experienced what that character is experiencing, or you know, that is you know massive. <clears throat> I mean, have you ever have you played Florence? No, I've not actually. Uh, Kevin Pinkin did the soundtrack. Um, it's really good. It's only it's really really short. It's probably about an hour, an hour and a half tops. Mm. But the kind of subject matter about relationships, really. Yeah, I know what it's about. And, yeah. It's really beautifully done, and you know it's quite touching in parts. And you're like, and you're like, I've been there, I've done that, you know. And you're like, ow, I know how that feels. And yeah, definitely, I think that that kind of emotional connection is really important for kind of the person at the other side who's not the composer, so the the, the player, the listener, whoever, you know. Well, yeah, it's the way that the music the way that you connect to stuff in a game as well mm-hmm. is the way that you connect with the music related to the stuff in the game that you've connected mm-hmm. with too definitely i think yeah. so yeah if a, whether a game is taking you away somewhere else or taking you inside yourself it's it's really making a a deep impression and i think that's why music can kind of sneak in beside that definitely i mean I played, um, I bought, you know, The Last Guardian on PlayStation yeah. 4. I bought that years ago and I started playing it and I got to a point and I got stuck basically and I got really frustrated. So I just put it on the shelf and forgot about it for ages for probably a year or more. And I went back to it last year um, and pushed myself and got through that bit and then went, was like, right, I'm going to finish this. And it's only the second ever game for me to sit and physically sob for about 10, 15 minutes at the end of it. It was yes, one of the most beautiful things I've ever, ever, ever played. Yeah, it's really frustrating with the controls at times, but my God, that payoff at the end. I think that's part of it as well. The frustration is part of your relationship with Trico almost mm. playing that game. So yeah, I think that definitely added to it for me, but yeah. I it, it pulls your strings 
that game in a big way, like so. Yeah. Um, the other game was um, Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Mm. It's just really special. That's probably my favorite game of the generation. Oh, cool. Mm. And then just under that is Bloodborne. <laughs> aye, yeah, I see. Bloodborne's emotional too, but just in a different way. So, so good. I had a, um, <clears throat> I had a bit of it, not well, accident, if you want to call it that. Um, my launch PlayStation 4 um, died during the summer just completely so i lost nearly seven years of saves mm. yeah bloodborne all the dlc you know everything so i've had to start from scratch again I had but, to, I've, I've got a launch ps4 as well but i had to stop playing it because it's, it's so like i played final fantasy 7 remake mm-hmm. i had to play the entire thing with headphones on because my playstation is so loud to the point yeah, where yeah. i just don't, don't play it anymore so loud. i had a friend fix mine he, he uh, took it he, he took a part and you know did whatever he needs to do instead oh, yeah. of ghosting. It was so filthy. And then when I got it back, it was brilliant for about two weeks and then just went. Mm. And then I gave it to him back again to see if he, he says, I'll fix it. And then he texted me and just said, No, I can't fix it. It's dead. So. Or dressed at soul, eh? No. So I literally had, I came back from his house with literally just a bag of just useless plastic and metal. <laughs> it's just in time for just in time for the PS5 as well. Yeah. I think. I think built-in redundancy is definitely a thing. We were just talking about getting a new TV and a day later my TV got that horrible pink rash of pixels across it. So they know, they definitely know they have to. Well, we've just we've just um, got our first 4K HDR TV and it's all very fancy to me. Because <laughs> the old TV, it didn't have any of the, like, the apps and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's like, wow, this is, you know, magic. <laughs> oh. I'll be making the jump to 4K as well. Mm. I'm not expecting it to blow my mind, to be honest, but I guess it'll be nice. So. It's nice. I have to admit, it's really. Is it? I'd see. I honestly, I didn't think. I don't think it'd be that much of a difference, but it's definitely oh, yeah. possible, is it? Definitely. Right, I guess we'll see. Then. So, so are you currently working on anything? Or uh, I know, obviously, we've got NDAs coming out of our, you know, ears in this industry. Yeah. Um. I'm. I constantly have projects on the go of varying sizes and a lot of different, like I say, I'm getting back to writing music now and I have two or three smaller things on the go, but I'm still kind of waiting for my next big project. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what that's going to be, but I just have to wait and see what happens, I guess. So how was your writing process for Paradise Killer? Was it different from from the processes that you've done before? or? Um, it was in a way that the main thing was how much freedom I had. Um, outside the initial brief, it was just a case of submitting demos and getting them approved. And when I say demos, it was something 16 bars of an wow. idea. And I think the, the guys essentially pushed back on nothing. So, uh, yeah, I really just had my... Well, the, the thing about Paradise Killer, when I come to a starting point, was because the music is a playlist system. Mm-hmm that essentially works in you go around the island you start with four music tracks and then you go around the open world environment collecting more music tracks and you can make your own playlist and they they play back sort of diegetically in the world Mm -hmm. um so i knew that i had to have a spectrum of stuff that was appropriate for the various settings within the game and that was just really cut up into sort of styles and i guess dynamics so 
we have like kind of city pop style stuff and then we have a couple of kind of vaporwave style things some kind of dancier things and then like some kind of more ambient stuff so it was really just going demo by demo track by track writing up as much of it as i could and then going to the next track and being like well let's do something different for that Mm -hmm. and then also you know every time i finished something it knew I could go back to something old and work to try and tie that together because the whole soundtrack ties together sonically as well as thematically because we use a lot of like uh, leitmotifs and stuff like that so yeah it was really just constantly keeping an eye on the whole product as I wrote new stuff. And how did you find that kind of having to kind of almost edit yourself? It was great. I'm I'm a total total revisionist like I thrive <laughs> on being a revisionist so it was great to come to something in a new piece of music that inspired something in a previous piece of music. So yeah, I loved writing like that. It was uh, the, the first couple of tracks, you know, as you're finding your way in it, I was like, great, it's good. It's going well. But then when I got into the later tracks, I just was like through nothing other than just wanting to push myself, just really going for it. Like seeing how far I could push the envelope and still make it appropriate to the game. So it was great. I loved it. Did I see somewhere that the soundtrack is getting a physical release? Yes, uh, Black Screen Records are putting it out on vinyl. Um, you can pre-order it now. It's out in February, and it's it's the most lavish. It's the most lavish package ever. It's like on a transparent blue and pink vinyl. It comes with an A2 poster, an enamel pin badge. It's, Don't tempt me. Don't it's tempt. The, it's the most honestly. deluxe thing. Honestly, it's extremely <laughs> luxurious. <Yeah. laughs> You should see the amount of vinyl I've been buying. I'm like, I've said to myself only this morning, I said, no vinyl in November because it's PlayStation 5 month. So, aye, aye. That, well, PS5 is a lot of vinyl, so isn't it? it's like 100 No, vinyl. I know. And I've got, I'm running out of space, actually, to, to, to store it. So aye. I'm going to have to um, have a conversation with the other half and see what, what we're going to do because... Convert the attic. That's, that's what the next thing. have. That's oh, um, cinema room, uh, and he's got his all his um, uh, vinyl stairs with him, and he's got these like special boxes and keeps them all up there, and because he's oh, so cool. quite rare vinyl, um, like really really rare vinyl. He's got test pressings, and he's a massive big um, Pet Shop Boys fan, so he's nice. got absolutely tons of that stuff. Um, but yeah, upstairs is a cinema room for us. It's got like a big flat screen tv and surround sound and yeah very very cool it's nice that's what you see that's what happens when you're kids <laughs> yes i'm i'm slowly starting to fill my house with vinyl now so mm-hmm. but at least the good thing about vinyl is at least it's still it's an old medium but you can yeah. still enjoy it whereas if you're collecting like laser discs and it's crazy something. because it's like lego it doesn't depreciate in value uh, um for example i bought a kami the mm-hmm. box set for that, and that was like 70 quid, but it's worth over 300 now. There you go. Yep, like Rising Zero Dawn, The Last of Us, bought The Last of Us 2, next one. You know, so it's all kind of an investment, as they say. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's a good way to look at it. It's I've, like I've started eggs, right? Yeah, I mean, I started collecting vinyl before I even had a record player. Yeah, that's the position I was in for a long time too. I've I've got all the Castlevania vinyls in for like good two years. Couldn't listen to them on anything. So, <laughs> but the, all my vinyls on the wall, like I'll have it all framed. So now it has to come off the wall to be listened to, which is oh, okay. Okay. See, all mine at the minute, we've got like a, a little table in the sitting room, 
and um, it's underneath that and it's just sort of lined up. So I'll send oh, a picture cool. when we get from oh, that's really cool. Um But yeah, I completely run out of space now. So we need to have a conversation because we've got like um, a bookshelf. We've got like bookshelves in, in a nook in the corner and mm. we keep a lot of um, wood underneath. <laughs> As I told you, um, they're gone now. But um, yeah, so I'm hoping to kind of steal some of that space for it. Ah, you'll need to make room for the Paradise Killer vinyl. So. <laughs> yeah. It must be really nice as a composer, though, to see that there is a demand for your music in that kind of way. Right from as soon as we launched the game, people were asking me, when's it coming out on vinyl? So I was like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. But we're really lucky yeah. that um, <laughs> the, dealing with Black Screen Records has been amazing. Like the guy that we're dealing with there, Kevin, is like Kevin. so nice and amazing. he was a big believer in the music before it was even really out because we got a track on their Sounds of Summer indie game compilation. Oh, yeah, I've got that. I've, I've got that on the way as well. Yes, we have our title tracks on there. So that was like our end. Yeah, and I was like, you know, do you fancy putting this out on vinyl? And they did. So I've not I've not done a physical release like since I was like much younger and when I was doing stuff in bands when we were like putting out CDs. So um, right, so this is the not only the first physical release I've done in a while, but having it on, like I said, such a luxury set mm. is going to be pretty I am going to go and look at it now. <laughs> I honestly it looks amazing too I'm absolutely delighted with the whole vibe I think it's just it's, it's a like, very um, nice thing it's, it's for me personally it's really lovely to see people succeed like that and get that kind of recognition that people want to see their stuff out on physical release and like and for even me for seeing friends who've done that like, um, like Jessica's uh, Little Orpheus is coming out shortly on vinyl yeah yeah um, which is gorgeous and then my friend um, Steve and John Pickford they created Plock and Wetrix. Ah, no Plock. Yeah. I'm a big fan of the Pickford's output, but Plock is an all-timer for me. Like, yeah. I love Plock like, so much. That came out on vinyl a couple of months ago and, and like mm. limited release and it's all gone. You know, I've got my signed copy downstairs. Oh, did you get it signed though? Yeah, Steve sent me one. So, I mean, Steve and John are, are friends of mine for 14 years. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And every, every, well, apart from this year, obviously, um, we go to um, John's and we go to like a beer festival, kind of October, cool. November time. But obviously that's not happening this year, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, of course. It'll be. Yeah, no, I never, I never managed to get Plock, but like, I love that game. I love Ten yeah. Fallen as well, obviously. Like, I've even got, I've even got the soundtrack on tape. On tape? Yeah, Steve got me a copy. He gave it to me a few, um, a few months ago before that was plock is one of the earliest games i can remember just not not playing it just to listen to the music just like mm -hmm. putting the controller down i think it's great like there are so so many bits in that soundtrack that are go full prog rock as well mm -hmm. which i never noticed at the time but going back to it as an adult i was like there you go that's it what was the kind of because then you've just hit on something that reminded me what was the kind of game that you went oh hang on a second and it, like Plock, that you were like, that's the game that kind of started it all for me. That's the soundtrack I remember the most. Like, um, probably one of two games. Uh, Final Fantasy VII was a massive game for me. It was like a, such a, it was, it was a, such an important video game 
because of the age I was when I played it, how often I played it. Just mm. it was it was the exact right time that I got into that game, and the soundtrack for that was that was the first game I ever played with headphones, like full head terrible headphone experience, like plugged directly into the monitor. Um, and this game, uh, Mystical Ninja, starring Goemon for the N sixty four, that was that's probably the one that got me most started on. I could write. I want to write music for video games because that has so many styles in it and it was original to me and it brought a lot of stuff sonically that I'd never heard before. Stuff like, I always say, I love the Hammond organ and people always think like, oh, because you love prog rock. It's like, no, it's because I heard it in Mystical Ninja. There's like tons of Hammond organ in there and I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's amazing. Yeah. So, so much stuff like that came from like kind of Japanese, Japanese games with like fusion style soundtracks. I think for me it was a game on the Amstrad 464, um, Solomon's Key. Ah, no, Solomon's Key. Yeah, you know, you dissolve blocks and you make blocks and you jump on. Aye. Yeah, 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 that was the one for me. That just blew my mind. I think I was about six. That's the first, I think, I, I can barely, I, I have a lot of early gaming experiences because my dad was always into computers and he had the Commodore 64 and an A500 and an A1200 that I was essentially never allowed to play, but I just watched. So I remember specifically for years, I thought 1942 was Bomb Jack. I didn't understand that those were different games. And I just thought because you were a plane and you bombed stuff that that was. Bo- so for until like my teens, I was like, I think the first game I ever saw was Bomb Jack. And people were like, my sister, not, who is not, not a gamer, she, she loved that game. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She loved it. Crazy. There's something about the, the charm of those old games, is mm. especially some of the Amiga, like the Amiga stuff. They're so like uniquely charming. I think. Definitely. I mean, I would. I still love um, listening to stuff like New Zealand Story. Yes, all that early title stuff is so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. They, they it blows my mind when I listen to stuff. And I've got a really good friend of mine, Jamie. He. Um, he does a lot of video game covers. Mm-hmm. Um, I must send you a link to his stuff because it's mind-blowingly good how the stuff cool. he's done. Like he's okay. done um, Whizball and Sonic 2 and The Last Ninja. It's so good. You know, cool. he's insanely talented. He used to actually be um, a co-host with me on the show. Um, but then obviously he's decided to step back and, and the show's kind of changed anyway. It's kind mm-hmm. of progress to doing this now so yeah yeah um this is the first time kind of ever that i've done something solo so it's it's a big learning curve for me but it's been really exciting because we've got our own youtube channel now we're you know and obviously we're on spotify and we have been for a long time um and <clears throat> excuse me my own website and all that kind of stuff so it's been really cool it's great to have people that you can talk to about your work like for me as a composer that's a lot of fun that yeah. people actually want to talk to me about my work so like, would you like to talk about your work uh yes yeah <laughs> and i think one of the big things for me was um last year i did um egx uh, both res and the main show um mm-hmm. where i um moderated a panel so the first mm-hmm. panel we had james hannigan yoris Deman. David Houston and Richard Jack, Richard Jack, um, on the panel, and it, it was so busy they had to shut the doors and stop people coming in. 
That's it was cool. like four deep at the back and two deep at the side. And people like I was up on the on the lectern and my phone was on and I was getting messages saying, I can't come in. <laughs> and I was like, I can't, I can't answer them, I'm too busy, you know. Um, but it was really nice because I that was the main concern for me that nobody was going to turn up. And we'd be like five people stood in a room going, well, this is crap. But it turned out to be mega, mega busy. And then mm-hmm. doing the main one um, with Joe from the flight, David Gary. Right, that's the good thing about those EGX panels. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's cool. Um, because I think with panels like that as well, you probably always are uncertain about what they're going to be like. But mm-hmm. like again, like we we're saying about kind of people that are interested in this stuff. Like people are really interested in it. Yeah, yeah, and Just... it's been brilliant. And I definitely want to do more because mm. there is nothing better than that feeling than standing on stage and doing your thing and knowing that you can do it you know yeah um and it's it's also slightly terrifying because you're being seen by your peers mm. you know other podcasters other composers you know <clears throat> it's strange when i sit when i stand on stage and i look down to the audience a seeing people that i know like friends and b seeing other composers that i know and it's like, I didn't know you were going to be there. <laughs> and then I just sat, in, just sat in the audience watching. It's like, it, that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Though. Like, that's, it's good. It seems to be a good time for it. A good time yeah. to be like, involved in music, especially as it's related to games. So obviously it's nearly November. So will you be dipping in on the PlayStation 5? Honestly, the place I would not, you could not pay me to put something that massive in my living room. And I, I cannot, I cannot call it like, this big. <laughs> I, I just can't, I can't justify having something that massive in my living room that just plays video games. Because I've the reason that I fell out of love with my PS4 is the noise issue. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's unplayable, right? And I've got an Xbox that I really like, but even getting an Xbox Series X, it's like it's big, it won't fit in my current TV. You know, yeah. they are the massive. Um, I think. I think the PlayStation 5 looks great, but it's huge. And then the huge. Series X, Jesus, just a big black box. I think upright it looks all right, but on its side it looks so egregiously yeah. horrible on its side, and that's pr- pretty much the only way I could have it. Yeah, 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 because it's, 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 so. it's super massive. But... Yeah, so I don't know. I'm pretty happy to I, – like, I play my Switch mostly because for years before the Switch came out, because I just always wanted to – I was like – imagine you could play the big telly games anywhere mm-hmm. and then when switch came out it's like that's it i can play the big <laughs> telly games anywhere so yeah i do tons of like short sharp bursts of playing games now so yeah i think next gen it is i'm probably going to wait a while to get back into like the sofa gaming experience but yeah i've not really decided if i'm going to go for because the, the oh. tough thing is playstation will always have the exclusives yeah yeah, yeah totally but totally. like game pass represents value yeah. And we love we love value, can't be value. Game Pass is obscene in value terms. It's crazy. It really yeah. is. I mean, so I, don't, about... I will eventually I'll probably get something, but I need to wait until they're significantly smaller in size, I think. Yeah, I'm the same. I am I'm definitely gonna go in the Xbox, but it's just too big. I've got the space. And I'd be worried about getting the S because it's not enough memory. I know, and those like uh peripheral like tertiary memory cards are super expensive yeah, well. like, they're almost the same price as the bloody console i know but since they do that 
that all access thing with Klarna, where you yes. pay for it monthly, it's hard hard to resist paying you know, yeah. 26, 27 pound a month for an next-gen console and a bunch of free yeah. games. Exactly. So. And Game Pass, you don't even have to buy anything. I know, that's the good thing, is that they've put so much weight behind Game Pass now that it's not... You're not fi- you don't have to find stuff to play. You just... Mm. It's there. PlayStation Now? Uh, uh, never, I never tried it, but I just uh, knew it wasn't going to... No, no, definitely not. So, But I'm definitely going to be... I'll be there on launch day for PlayStation 5. We've got money squirreled away and I'm just waiting for that for the Amazon to email me and say it's on its way how do you feel about 70 pound video games though that not so great um I mean I'll pay it's very rare I'll buy something on launch um in 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 a game but um when I do it has to be fairly special and as you mentioned earlier Klarna is a great thing because I bought like uh, the last was two on that, and it was sixteen quid for a couple for a few over a few months, and that I don't mind doing, you know. Because I think putting seventy quid down straight for a game, like say for tomorrow, I would balk at that. Yeah, PlayStation stuff doesn't hold its value either. I mean, mm. Nintendo stuff is always expensive, which is anti-consumer in a way, but also mm. good. Because you can sell it for the price you bought it, pretty much. Yeah. But PlayStation stuff is really bad for that. You buy it for fifty quid, and then two months later, it's nineteen ninety nine. And or even because I do that a lot, I buy games and then I complete them and then I sell them because I'm mm-hmm. I don't get I'm not sentimental about holding on to it. I stuff. used to, and I've kind of started keep keeping hold of them because I've done that before and then gone. Oh, I really want to replay that, and you go, well, I can't because I've sold it. And it's like not ones that are easily able to get to get because you're going to uh, pay a premium for them because they're rare as hen's teeth. Like Adla- like Alice Madness Returns, Portal 2, things like that. Duh. Duh. Is Portal 2 rare, is it? Yeah, ish. Mm, that's interesting. So, I think I've got my copy in, in the other room, so, but yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I don't know how... Yeah, it's interesting to see how next-gen games are changing, especially because... And I know that the argument behind it is, well, games are more expensive to make now, so they have to cost more money. And people have to be like, oh, look at the Argos catalogue from 1993. It's like games cost £60 back then. It's like, aye, but they were too expensive then as well. So I don't know. It's hard. I can see both sides of it. But Mm. as in in a purely consumer brain, a Mm. selfish consumer brain, see a (laughs) 70 quid video game, and I'm like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. So... Um, what do you think is going to come next for you? Um, I really, I really, you take I don't know what, but in terms of hopes, mm. uh, there's just so much stuff I would love to work on. There are so many types of games I would love to work on, and so many stuff. Because I feel like, I mean, I'm sure any composer feels like this. I feel like I could do anything. Mm. Like I'm so hungry to do stuff that I could do anything pretty much any style and you know get a massive amount of enjoyment out of it so i'm just really hoping that my next project is something like paradise killer that because i mean paradise killer was such a dream project because not only did i have the amount of freedom that i had i got to put so much of myself into the Mm. identity of the game because such a huge focus in the game is the music Mm -hmm. so you know something if, if something even half as ideal for me as paradise killer that would be 
you know, beyond brilliant. But yeah, I'm just working on stuff. Yeah, I've got, like I said, a bunch of smaller projects. I'm just kind of being patient and waiting to see what my next big project is going to be. But oh, we can't wait. Yeah, yeah, I've really, I can't wait to get started on it either. I'm so, like, I am so close to being able to basically just compose full time. Good. Like, not going to take a lot for me to be able to just never have to edit a video ever again. So, <laughs> so fingers crossed. Um, but, but I just want to say thank you um, for taking time out of your day to come on the show. Really appreciate it. It's been a really great chat. Um, but I think we've come to the end of the interview. Yeah, well, thanks very much for having me. Um, I look forward to doing this again at some point. Yeah, definitely. When you can tell us about your next big thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, have a good day and we'll speak soon. You too, man. Thanks very much. No worries. And if um, anybody wants to catch you, you, they can get you on Twitter at... No Stopping Epoch, which is hard to spell. So you'll find me, don't worry. Yeah. And you can get me at Evil Noob. So um, we will see you soon. See you. Take care. Bye.